Well, welcome once again to Paradise Valley Christian Church, and give a shout out to those who are watching online. It's a little bit different experience. Um, eight, nine weeks ago, uh, it was nerve-wracking to try to look into the camera and try to speak to you at home and the camera, and, and then within an empty auditorium, and then last week, Tommy already mentioned, it was, it was kind of like I wanted to always be on one of the Cars movies, you know, I wanted to be the preacher car, and so I, you know, last Sunday I got to be the preacher car to everybody, and I was felt like I was preaching to cars. And so this week is a little bit, it's, I'm nervous again a little bit, getting back in front of individuals. But I thank each and every one of you for coming out today. If you are brand new with us this morning, uh, in your bulletin there's a connect card that you can tear off. It's perforated. Fill that out. We'd love for you to uh, come to the hub, which is just right out in the foyer there. And we have a just a small token of our appreciation for you being here today. If you're Join us online maybe for the first time. We'd love for you to fill out a Connect card digitally, uh, and there's links for that on the website. There's so much that I'd love to say. I'm excited that you are here th today. Man, we are grateful for the opportunity to gather together. And during this time, it's, you know, it's been a journey to kind of find out, you know, where, where does our faith where is it at? It's kind of the rubber meets the road kind of mentality of, you know, are we going to be the church outside of a building, or are we going to fold? You know, are we going to continue to be who God has called us to be? And I've seen so many of you continue to be the church. Praise God for that. And that's what I want to challenge us again this morning. We've been going through a series called God of the Impossible that we finished up a couple weeks ago. And we had our Mother's Day service last week and talked about things that we've maybe learned from our moms spiritually and how we can use that in our lives. And today we begin a new series called Parables through Matthew, pretty straightforward. We're going to be touching on multiple parables through the book of Matthew as we go through our summer months, and I'd love for you to join us, whether it be online, uh, whether it be here in person, and that way you're staying aware of kind of things that we're talking about as we move forward. We want to see God work through us as a body of believers, and so as we have our children here today, I, I, I want to kind of keep things moving, and so we're going to be in Matthew uh, chapter 5, verses 14 through 16, Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16, and the title of the message today is, You Are the Light of the World, and I remember growing up, uh, coming in uh, in the month of August, we, we were, had a small farm in Haver, Montana, north of Haver, Montana, and it was a small uh, dry land wheat farm and uh, as we grew up I got to drive combine we didn't really have real nice equipment and we weren't real gung-ho big-time farmers so we would usually quit when it was starting to get dark and I always wanted to keep working into the night so we could turn on our lights you know and have our lights and and the header be whapping the weed in and you know and all that stuff taking place and and but my dad wasn't really interested in a 12 year old running a combine in the dark and so we would always have to go in but I remember going in from town 13 miles north of, of Haver and and seeing all these big time farmers with their big John Deere combines they had like 14 different lights shining all different direction and the, and the chaff was blowing and you know the dust was billowing it was like man that is so awesome and as we get closer to town especially as it, it got into August we'd come down over a hill and you could see the lights of Haver. And especially during fair time, you could see the Ferris wheel lights going. 
And man, that was an exciting time for me. Because I, I just remember thinking about school was getting close and getting to see our friends again. And, and the fact that, you know, the, the fun of the fair was taking place. And for many of you, you have memories tied in with lights. In fact, I asked some of you on Facebook, some of those memories, and I got a lot of responses, I'm not going to share them all, but uh, I heard of things like swinging on a swing as a child, or laying in the grass as a child, and looking up into the night sky and seeing the lights that came from the stars and from the moon. A couple people mentioned catching fireflies as they visited relatives in other states. Several people talked about using flashlights when camping and shining a, a light onto a dark path. Or how light could block out the darkness that maybe and, and the, what might be lurking in it. There were a couple of mentions of light when it came to trips to Alaska or the Lewis and Clark Caverns and the Edison Factory in Detroit. Or seeing the Casper lights from Casper Mountain. Or maybe coming in from a trip and seeing the glow of the city of Casper and, and thinking about the fact that you're home. A gal mentioned regular power outages in Albania when she was 11 and how her and one of her brothers would read by candlelight. And one of my favorites was the comment of walking from Cabin 5 at the Western Wyoming Christian Youth Camp in the middle of the night and just staring at that light from the bathroom and just heading straight towards it, not worrying about what else is going on, just follow the light. No, not the light into, you know, the future light, but yeah, just following the light at, uh, at camp and, and getting to the bathhouse. Lights have a lot of meaning for us when it comes to memories and when it comes to our daily life. And we, like a moth to a flame, are drawn to light. Have you ever read a definition of light? Here's how Webster's Dictionary defines light. Something that makes vision possible. The sensation aroused by stimulation of the visual receptors. An electromagnetic radiation in the wavelength range, including infrared, visible, ultraviolet, and x-rays, and traveling in a vacuum with a speed of about 186,281 miles per second. Specifically, the part of this range that is visible to the human eye. And, you know, for me, that's just like a whole lot of mumble-jumble, but what I really got from that definition was the reality that light is amazing. One of God's very first creations where we read in Genesis where it says, and God said, let there be light. Light. It's amazing. And as we look at our text this morning in Matthew 5, verses 14 through 16, it's in the context of Jesus speaking to his disciples. And it begins the, what we call you know, the first part of the Sermon on the Mount. As he goes through the Beatitudes, and then verse 13 where he talks about this idea of salt, that we are the salt of the earth, and, the, and that's a, another sermon uh, in a, of itself. But I want to focus this morning on verses 14 through 16 that speak about the image of God's children as light in this world. And both salt and light, they have the ability to have a huge impact in the world. 
And the reality is, is so do we as Christians. Perhaps that is why Jesus used these common everyday images to describe his people and the influence that they can have in this world. Will you pray with me? Father God, we are grateful today for the opportunity to be together. What a privilege it is to gather in your presence, Father. You say where two or more are gathered, there you are as well. And as we've been gathering online, you've been there as well. And yet this morning we are grateful for the opportunity to be in person together. Father, I thank you for those who are joining us online and I pray a blessing on them as well. Together this morning, where will you teach us? Will you encourage us? Will you challenge us in our faith? And it's the name of Jesus I pray. Amen. If you'll turn over to Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 14, I'm reading from the New International Version. And if you have a red letter Bible like myself, you see that Jesus is speaking here. And again, he's speaking to his disciples, which we are. And so he's speaking to us this morning, and he says, You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and glorify or praise your Father in heaven. So if you're taking notes this morning, I just have four things that I want to share with you quickly as we look down through these verses. And the first is the same as the title of the message, which is, You are the light of the world. You can't get around that. You don't really have a choice. If you claim Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you've given your life over to him, then you are the light of the world, and you don't have a choice. Great privilege carries with it great responsibility. Jesus gives the Christian both a great compliment and a great responsibility when he says that we are the light of the world because he claimed that title for himself as he walked this earth in John 8, 12 and John 9, 5. And if you were to look over in John 8, verse 12, Jesus says of himself in that verse, I am the light of the world. And Phil Newton says that passage speaks of light in an originative sense. You see, Jesus, he is the ori origin of such light so that he can add later on in verse 12 of chapter 8 of John where he says, He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Phil goes on to say, Christians are light in a derivative sense. Meaning, we don't, have our, we don't produce the light ourselves. The light that we have comes as a result of our relationship to Jesus we do not produce the light, but like the moon reflects the sun, S-U-N, we too reflect the light of the sun, S-O-N. Think of the believer's light this way. When Jesus walked the earth, he was the light of the world. He was like the sun, S-U-N. He was the source of all spiritual light, but just as the sun goes down, and is followed by the rising moon, which reflects the light of the sun, so too believers are now to be moons 
who reflect the light of the sun. His light shines on us and in us, and we shine forth his light to a spiritually dark world. And the reality is, is the second thing, is that the world is darkness. Making decisions in the dark, yeah, that, that can come with some regrettable consequences. Just like uh, back in the days before electricity where a, a tight-fisted old farmer was taking his hired man to task for carrying a lighted lantern when he went to call on his best girl. Why? He exclaimed, when I was a courtin', I never carried one of them things. I always went in the dark. Yes, the hired man said wryly, and look what you got. <laughs> in all seriousness, though, many people that we know and that we love, and they're making decisions in the dark. Before Christ, we we're making decisions in the dark. And if you turn over to Ephesians chapter 5, Ephesians chapter 5 verse 8 is a, a section of scripture that we've recently gone through. And, and Paul says to the church in Ephesus, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. You were once darkness. Paul does, doesn't say that, you know, you were in darkness or of darkness. It says that you were darkness itself. And when I say the world is darkness, the reality is, is that we used to be a part of that darkness before Jesus. As sons and daughters of disobedience, we were children of darkness. Our very nature was characterized by darkness and sin, which is the rotten fruit of darkness. You see, we were all in darkness at one point. So the striking contrast in this verse that we just read is this incredible proclamation by Jesus that those who were literally the essence of darkness now have the glorious privilege to be light in the Lord. Even though our world is darkness, there is hope for our world. There's hope for our world because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. In an article entitled, Lewis and Clark Caverns by Candle, Tom Ludy writes, The candles blow out at Lance Briggs' command, deep inside Lewis and Clark Caverns, painting a claustrophobic darkness across the faces of 17 tourists. Water trickles in from somewhere, but light does not. Unable to seep through a quarter-mile ceiling of bedrock, it's completely black. Sensing an opportunity, Briggs, a tour guide, uses the darkness to spin a tale about a civilian conservation corps worker from the Midwest who snuck into the cavern 70-plus years ago, hoping to steal some stalagmites to pay for his trip home. Briggs uses the term cave blindness to explain what happened to the man whose lantern blew out, leaving him stranded in the darkness for three days. It took a week for the CCC worker 
to regain his sight after being rescued from the cave. And the people who discovered him said it appeared he'd been walking in a tight circle, thinking he was making his way to the exit. The man thought his skin was crawling with snakes and spiders, Briggs adds. And as Christians, we were once part of the darkness, lost and confused, going around and around in circles, making decisions in the dark that had consequences. And maybe we might describe the state of the world that we live in as having sin blindness. The darkness is all around us. And so that should challenge us as we continue on in these verses to don't hide your light. The third thing here is, is don't hide your light. Verse 15 says, Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. Now, think about that statement for a moment, the idea of, of lighting a lamp and then putting it on under a bowl. Is that not ridiculous? I mean, why would anyone do that? No one would ever think about lighting a lamp and then putting something over it so that it doesn't accomplish what it was made to do. It, it makes no sense whatsoever, and the lamp would utterly fail at fulfilling its intended function. By analogy, a believer who is a light in the Lord, and yet who chooses to hide their light, to put themselves under a basket or a bowl, so to speak, that's absurd. It's craziness. It makes no sense. And it's kind of like a young man who became a Christian and then went off to a summer camp, a, a summer lumber camp to work. And the preacher knew that this, this boy was going to have a tough time living out his new faith. As a new baptized believer, he knew that it was going to be a struggle to be a light into the darkness at this lumber camp. And so after the summer was over and the boy returned, the, the pastor made a point to, to talk to the boy. He said, son, because you had just been baptized and I knew it was going to be difficult for you, I prayed for you while you were working this summer at the lumber camp. And I was praying that they wouldn't make it too hard on you. And the young man said, oh, no, preacher, I, I didn't have it hard at the lumber camp at all. He said, you know, in fact, preacher, None of them even found out I was a Christian. <laughs> well, that's not how it's supposed to be, is it? No, it's not. It's supposed to be like the little boy who was sitting in church with his mother. And as he looked around at the beauty of the stained glass, curiosity finally got the best of him. And he asked, well, who are all those people? which his mother responded, well, they are saints. And then sensing that this was a teaching moment, she asked, do you know that what saints are? He pondered for a moment and then responded, they are people the light shines through. They are people that the light shines through. Guess what? We are those people that the light of Jesus is to be shining through. And I've heard people say that they, they worked with so-and-so for a lot of different years, and, and they just finally found out that they're a believer. Oh, 
well, what's wrong with that picture? If someone that's supposed to be in the same family can't recognize a brother and sister in Christ, how hard or difficult would it be for a non-believer to recognize a person that's supposed to be shining their light? As many Christian leaders would verify, we are failing a lot of times miserably at letting our light shine. And yet the tragedy is that we are the only lights that some people are ever going to see. Stating it a different way, we are some of the only people that the, the world is going to read when it comes to God's word. We are the Bible in the lives of the world around us. Stop hiding your light. And the fourth thing, just let your light shine. Just as the function of a household lamp is to give light in the house, so too believers are to provide illumination to all they encounter in this spiritually dark world. And you say, well, how? How do I go about doing that? Well, I would encourage you to be a witness to the good news of Jesus Christ. And it's as simple as just sharing your story of who you are in Jesus of how Jesus has had an impact on your life. It's through your lifestyle. It's through your words as you have conversations with maybe random strangers as I did just the other day, yesterday at the park, where someone that I didn't know at all, I just decided to say, are you guys from around here? They said, well, for about a year now that they moved from Florida. And it gave me opportunity to... Just talk about who I am because they asked, are you from here? And I said, well, no, I just recently moved here, but I'm the, the new preacher down at Paradise Valley Christian Church. And I was able to share my faith in who God is in my life and to invite him. And you see, it's our actions. It's our speech. It's our attitudes. And this little, little uh not maybe not a poem, maybe a little rhyme. This is this is good. I came up with this, you know, all by myself here. It says, I wrote, if you are to share your faith, it's not so much a script to say, but who you are every day. If you're to share your faith, it's not so much a script to say, but who you are every day. And if the Beatitudes that are spoken about here in the previous verses of chapter 5 of Matthew are truly being your attitudes, then church, you are the light of the world. You are a living letter, a walking testimony of the new life that lives in you and shines forth into the darkness. It comes down to your decisions, your choices, how you're going to live, you are an illuminating truth of the gospel by your life and your speech. And because of your light, it should have a dramatic difference in the world around us. You see, the lost will see the gospel working within your character and within your conduct. And some, not all, will want to know what makes you different. They're like a man in a Bible study small group who had come to, to Christ only six weeks earlier. 
And he stated that the reason he hadn't become a Christian sooner was because he was looking for and waiting to meet a genuine believer, a genuine follower of Jesus Christ. And one day he, di he did meet one who was letting his light shine. And not long after that encounter, the man gave his life to Jesus. And so I have a question for you. Who in your life is waiting for you to truly be the light that you are called to be so that they will decide to become a follower of Jesus? And maybe your light has been under a bushel basket. Or maybe your light is dim and dingy and dirty because of sin in your life or because of compromises that you've made with the darkness in this world. The body of Christ See, it doesn't need a better or more evangelistic programs. What the body of Christ needs is for the believers to live like genuine citizens of the kingdom of heaven and let their light shine. By definition, a watermark is a faint design made in some paper during manufacturing that is visible when held against the light and typically identifies the maker. As followers of Jesus, his mark, the Holy Spirit, is in us and becomes visible through us. We are no longer our own, but we have been bought with a price. And we belong to him. We, as his disciples, are to stand ready, lovingly obeying his command to let our life be seen in such a way that they might see his watermark in us. That they might see him in us. That they might not look at our lives and see us, but that they would see and believe in the gospel that can save them for eternity. Just as light does not exist to call attention to itself, but to draw attention to what it illuminates, our witness does not magnify what we have done. Our testimony is about a great God who loved us and saved us from eternal separation from God in hell. See, we're saved from our sins, and our purpose is not to focus in everybody's attention on us but be those people that say, look to God, not to me. Look to God and you will see the difference he can make in your life. The reason that we're supposed to be light is given by Christ in Matthew 5, verse 16. Again, if you read along, in the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. How many people are praising the Father in heaven because of the light that you are shining into the darkness? Your light in the darkness will help direct people to God. You are God's secret weapons. And in order for us to be effective in that task, we need to keep our light burning bright. Not just on Sunday. He didn't call us to be the light of the church building. He called us to be the light of the world. To be the light in our workplace. To be our, the light in our schools and, and where we go shopping. 
to be the light in where we work out, not to just be a Sunday light, but a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday light. Woodrow Wilson told the story of being a, in a barber shop one time. He said, I was sitting in a barber chair when I became aware that a powerful personality had entered the room. A man had come quietly in upon the same errand as myself to have his hair cut and sat in the chair next to me. Every word the man uttered, though it was not in the least didactic, showed a personal interest in the man who was serving him. And before I got through what, with what was being done to me, I was aware that I had attended an evangelistic service because Mr. D.L. Moody was in that chair. I purposely lingered in the room after he had left and noted the singular effect that his visit had brought upon the barbershop. They talked in undertones. They did not know his name, but they knew something had elevated their thoughts. And I felt that I left that place as I should have left a place of worship. That is the kind of light that God desires all of us to be. If you were to be honest today, would you have to confess that your light isn't as bright as it should be? Maybe your heart is like those old kerosene lamps that would get soot on the inside of the glass to the point that the light just couldn't shine like it was supposed to. But when we continue to allow God to work in our lives and to clean us up from the inside, that light is able to shine through the darkness once again. So have you allowed God to speak through your testimony? Are you a light for Jesus? Could you do, be doing better? Have you been saved from your sins that your light can shine in the first place? Whatever the need, respond to him and let him have his perfect way in your life. And so what are you going to do with your light? I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to let this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine Hide it under a bushel? No. I'm going to let it shine. Don't let Satan it out. I'm going to let it shine. Shine all over Casper. I'm going to let it shine. Shine all, let it shine till Jesus comes. I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. And as the praise team comes, we're going to sing a song of invitation, and, and maybe this morning you're, ha you're struggling with shining your light because you've never 